Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 593, air date April 26th, 2020. Now, if we happen to get to truth, which is by, by no means an easy exercise, um, you have the opportunity to use that truth, which could be a physical law or some interconnection between nature, and use that aspect of truth to actually find out what a real problem is in a situation. Not the fake problem, but the real problem. Go through all the nonsense, all the you know propaganda, and go to the real problem. And when you identify the real problem, we can identify the real solution. And that real solution can lead to really health for us, well-being for us, whether it's our personal lives, whether it's our personal bodies or our infrastructure around us, clean air, clean water and clean food. And with that health, we have the most important thing, uh, which is resilience, a strong body, a strong mind to fight and be warriors for freedom. You see, these things are very closely connected. And what I just shared with you has been my life journey to figure out this interconnection between truth, freedom and health. I hope that's clear. So without freedom, you can't get to truth. Without truth, we can't have health. And without health, we can't have, we can't fight, frankly, for our freedom. Now, the alternative is you have essentially lies. You know, you essentially suppress freedom, censorship. That leads, or fascism, that leads to fiction. And then fiction leads to disease. Disease leads to fascism, so on. And that's one of the things we're witnessing right now. What we're seeing is this aspect of where you suppress dissent. You don't really talk about what are the real natural phenomenon that affect, you know, our health, which is, is it infectious disease? Is it a virus? Or is it the fact that our immune systems get compromised because there's trillions of viruses within us and outside of us? And when you have that aspect, it's not the viruses that hurt us because they're actually part of our ecosystem. They're part of our earth. It is a dysfunctional immune system. That's what the truth is. And with that understanding, we can go to health. And that health means what are the things we can do to support our bodies? Well, one of them is what do we put into it? And part of that is what is the quality of what we put into it? And then that means we have to make very important personal decisions of what we decide to put into our bodies, but also who do we choose to represent and lead us? Do we keep choosing lawyers and lobbyists who are incompetent, who don't know science, who don't know engineering, and even some of them, what I call the not so obvious establishment who've been involved in these movements for either helping the earth for many, many years, who built careers out of that. And they are part of the not so obvious establishment, which never goes to the root of the cause. And I'm going to give you a few examples to make this a little more real, particularly on today. And so what you end up happening is we go through a cycle in that model of where we never get to the truth. People are spinning their wheels. We get more dirty water, we get more dirty food, and we got more dirty air. Because we allow ourselves to be fooled by lawyer, lobbyists, and a set of people who do not have the intention of really getting to the heart of the truth. So let's take something like uh, the current developments we know about, quote unquote, climate change. Let's talk about that. Obviously, everyone, probably every human being, wants clean air, clean water, and clean food. All of us do. I don't think anyone uh, would, would be against it. Uh, my journey to that, just to give you by way of example, when I was a 14-year-old kid, some of you may know I helped uh, women who were secretaries. This is in 1978, who used to use paper, and they used to use carbon paper, which was quite toxic, you know, a lot of processes, and they used to write this thing called a memo. I was a guy as a 14-year-old kid who converted that entire system. Now, albeit I didn't know that I was actually solving an environmental problem, but I converted the entire inner office mail system into the electronic version. 
in 50,000 lines of code as a 14 year old kid. And I named that system email. And that, and later on, I went to get the first US copyright recognizing me as the official inventor of email. But the reality is a technology like that, which started frankly to help women go from the typewriter to the keyboard resulted in, well, some people may argue that we all have to now deal with email, it's a deluge, but it really reduced the amount of paper needs we needed. But that journey for me even goes farther back. You see, I grew up in India where my grandparents were traditional farmers, you know, sustainable farmers. There was no pesticides. There was not even the notion of organic because everything was organic. And in that village environment, my grandparents were essentially the people who farmed, grew coconut, grew rice, but they did it sustainably. And that's where I learned a great appreciation, not only for the earth, because, you know, in, in the villages that I grew up in, there was no running water, there's no electricity. You grew up in a very primitive environment, but it was a very healthy and connected environment. And in that environment is where I learned about traditional systems of healing, what it means to be connected with nature. These were essentially the way people lived. You didn't really have to think about it, but that's, what, that's when I got inspired to understand natural medicines. But I also got inspired in an ironic way because I grew up as an untouchable in an Indian caste system to also want to understand politics. And in those kinds of worlds, you, because you are living in a condition, truth matters. You're living in a situation where you don't have time to get fooled by people. So that was my arc of my journey as I came to the United States, started working at a medical school where I invented the first email system, came to MIT, went in and out, did four different degrees, always interested in healing and medicine, but I found it quite unfortunate that Western systems of medicine really came out of war. They did not come out of understanding the body as a system. They were intended for crisis management, not really for focus on helping understand the body as a whole. So finally, in 2003, that journey led me to back to MIT where a new field called systems biology came. And systems biology basically said, you know what? The old model of medicine where we think genes are the things that cause all disease are not correct. What we need to do is we need to take a systems approach. And that resulted in some very, very important innovations. One was Cytosol, which is a technology which helps us understand at the molecular level how things work. Fortunately, we were able to use this technology to look at genetically engineered foods. It was quite radical. I remember in 2014, there was an article in the MIT newspaper. Uh, in, in fact, it was a front page of the MIT Technology Review, which said, buy fresh, buy GMOs. Buy fresh, buy GMOs. It was making fun of the, you know, the environmental movement for buy fresh, buy local. And I looked at this and I said, wow, this is pretty odd. This is on one of the most prestigious science magazines. And as you read the article, it was filled with essentially propaganda for Monsanto, filled with fake science saying that the poor, dark people of Indian Africa so needed, you know, Monsanto and Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton, that it was time that we help these poor folks and they need genetically engineered foods. Well, what we did was I used this technology and we modeled all the molecular pathways of all the meta metabolic processes in plants. And what we discovered was when they do genetic engineering, for example, of soy, the plant actually undergoes an oxidative stress. It upregulates formaldehyde and it downregulates glutathione. So the plant is actually not the same as the organic version. However, the big scientists, Bill Gates, Hillary Clinton, these kinds of people left and right we're pushing forward the theme that genetically engineered foods are no different. So why, why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because we're at a very important point in human history where we all recognize that there's something called fake news, but there's something even more insidious than fake news, it's fake science. 
the academic establishment of today does not serve you or me. They essentially take large amounts of money, particularly in the biological sciences, and they watch which way scientific consensus goes. So getting back to truth, freedom, and health, let's talk about climate change, okay? It's a very, very important topic. We all wanna lower pollution. I believe that's something that brings together whether, whether you're for the first amendment or the second amendment, whether you're for uh, whatever you're for, everyone can agree we wanna lower pollution. And I wanna share with you the extreme way in how this very important issue has been manipulated by the not so obvious establishment. So when there is a, when we want to address pollution, what did we actually do? There was something called the Paris Accords. And I'm not sure how many of you have actually gone through it and read it, which I have. What people do not understand is that all the celebrities, all the Kennedys, all the Democrats, all the, you know, uh, positive Republicans, all of them got behind this thing called the Paris Accords. And if you actually go read the Paris Accords, it allows India to double its pollution and it allows China to double its pollution. China at the time of signing the Paris Accords was at 11 billion car, uh, metric tons of carbon, of pollution, 11 billion metric tons. Most people don't know the Paris Accords incentivizes China to double their pollution up to 22 billion, okay? So when you actually look at it and you read it, everyone gets all excited but when you actually look at it and you read it, there's no actual benefit to that. China can double their pollution. And then what happens in up to 2030? What happens in 2030? Well, in 2030, they have to buy carbon credits to offset their pollution. Well, those carbon credits are, will be, are, are traded on the stock market with guys like Al Gore, who's part of an elite, who create, they take advantage of you and I, they take advantage of good causes and they malign it. It's quite evil. And those carbon credits are owned by people like him and others. And when the Paris Accords kicks in in 2030, China and other countries will have to buy carbon credits. Well, you know what? There's a limited number of carbon credits. What happens when there's limited supply and high demand? What happens to price? It explosively grows. So some people become trillionaires. And in the midst of all of this, CO2 is blamed as a pollutant. Well, CO2 is not a pollutant. Sulfur dioxide is, lead is. There's many, many arsenic, these are pollutants. Today we have nearly seven to 10 million people per year who die of one of the most awful things, which is you know, um, air, COPD, lung disorders. My mom was a victim of that. She died of pulmonary fibrosis. When, when we first came here, she worked in a factory with all sorts of toxins in it. So this is very personal to me. But what I can tell you is, if you really follow this arc from freedom, truth to health, if anyone questions this issue about CO2, you're called a climate denier, very much like a Holocaust denier. And many of those people want to lower pollution. So we've once again split the world into left and right, pro-CO2 and anti-CO2, but we do not address the fundamental issue, which is to lower pollution. That's not what the Paris Accords does. And I give you that example because if we continue down this path of scientific consensus, and if we continue down this path of the not so obvious establishment, which by the way, never wants to address the problem, they essentially look for any issue, be it cancer, be it vaccines, be it climate. What can they get out of it? How can they manipulate us? How much money can they make? So in the case of climate change, we all agree we want to lower pollution. That's not what the Paris Accords does. If you look at the issue of immunization or immune health, we all want to have powerful, res resilient immune systems. That's not what vaccines offer us for everyone. One size does not fit all. And interesting enough, if you look at the two people involved 
with both of those, you'll find it's Hillary Clinton and Bill Gates, both of them consistently. And somewhere in there is Al Gore hanging around. It's the same set of people who promote fake science, making us believe naively that they're fighting in our interests. So what I wanna leave you with is this, that the way out of this is a mass broad movement, bottoms up. Look, Hollywood celebrities and, and the Kennedys and all these people, they've, in my opinion, they've actually hurt us. They brainwashed people into outsourcing our activism to them. That's not how the world is gonna change because those people have political interests. And where we are at right now is we cannot have incompetent, self-serving, hypocritical people, especially when it comes to something as important as lowering pollution, as protecting the earth. For those kinds of issues or ensuring that we have proper immune health, we cannot outsource those decisions. So having said that, what I wanna encourage everyone to realize is when it comes to truth, freedom and health, there's a path to getting there. And that's why I decided to run for US Senate because it is extremely important in 2020, which I believe is gonna be an inflection point in human history, whether we head to a golden age or whether we head to a dark age. And the decisions we make now of what kinds of people we support and what kinds of communities we create, we have to remove the blinders. We have to look at things from a very, very uh, you know, clear way. As my, you know, in the, I'll end with this, you know, in the ancient Hindu text, it says that this age we live in is called the Kali Yuga, K-A-L-I-Y-U-G-A. The earth has gone through various phases from the golden age to this. And the earth goes through cycles, four ages of the earth. But one of the features of the Kali Yuga, it is said is that it is a period for the greatest amount of darkness. But it, in that darkness is the opportunity for the greatest amount of enlightenment. And what will distinguish people who get enlightened and move forward into a golden age will be their ability to discern truth from lies. And that's where we're at. And what I'm here to tell you is we have a huge opportunity to enter the golden age. And I wanna thank you uh, today for being able to speak on Earth Day. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Shiva. That was incredible, um, really interesting. And I, I appreciate everything that you have to say. Personally, one of my core values is freedom. So that was that resonates. And um, we have a couple of questions. I actually have a question and, and then we'll ask a couple of the ones on the side is, you mentioned that the, you know, China's, the Paris Agreement and the Chinese, the billions and the US I'm sure is right there as well. How in the world do you change, how does that change? Because, you know, it's at that top level that it, when I hear those stats, it's a little like takes my breath away. But what am I supposed to do as an individual to to do anything to change that? Because I can only do I, I'm doing as much as I'm able to. Maybe not enough, but as much as I'm able to on a personal level. But that's you know at a much bigger level that seems just daunting a little bit. Well, I look. I think the first thing everyone can do, which is what I've been uh, doing uh, through education for most of my life is I decided to, you know, about I think uh, seven years ago when I got back from India after Fulbright, I realized that one of the most important things that I could do as an educator was very fortunate to get all this education to educate you on what I call a systems approach, a systems approach to understanding interconnections among things. What's a systems approach? Remember the old story of the elephant, the, the king uh, brings six blind men into his court. It's a very famous story Buddha tells where the king brings the elephant and he has a blind man touch different parts of the elephant. So one man touches a rope, you know, the tail, and he thinks he's touching a rope. The guy who touches a tusk 
thinks it's a spear. The guy touches the trunk, thinks it's a hose and so on. They all have a blinded view of reality and they don't, none of them see the elephant. So that's called reductionism in science. Those in power always use reductionism to create fake science, some fake truth. However, the opposite is what's called systems approach. A systems approach says the ankle bones connected to the foot bone and I'm gonna see the whole picture. So there's a methodology in science called systems thinking. In fact, the ancient systems of Indian medicine, if you've studied Ayurveda or these things, they were actually a systems approach. The problem is many of those teachings, people can't decipher, they don't know what they're actually saying. So from my Fulbright work in 2007, when I went back to India, I was able to decipher the language of those systems of medicine. It turns out it's actually an engineering systems approach. The words that they use in Indian medicine to describe the body actually match the same words that we use when we start describing a control system in an airplane, okay? So I put that into a, a course I call uh, systems health and we started training people because I felt that when people start, in fact, I taught it at MIT for three years, didn't get paid a cent by the way, not like some people who got paid a lot of money. I did it as a service. And what I did there was we used to have all, you know, on a, on a Thursday night, you'd have all these people who are your typical uh, doctors, engineers would show up. And the other side, you had what you would call your woo-woo people, right? Your people are into tie-dye shirts and yoga teach it, right? And it's fascinating because those, both these people looked at each other with a level of distrust and disdain. But in about a couple of hours, I could teach them a whole new way of looking at any system through a very simple language. And that was called a systems health. So I developed that into an institute, we offer it, and we've embedded that into our campaign. Because what I wanna do is take this very complex knowledge, I've distilled it into layman's terms, so everyone out there can start seeing their body, the world, and they, and they see the same principles. So the first thing people need to do is to educate themselves onto a systems approach to looking at the world. So we see the whole elephant, not the little parts. That's the first thing. Because this cannot, a movement cannot come top down. I'm here to be a humble catalyst where people can understand principles. And from those principles, people can build movements. So that's the first thing. So what we've done, in fact, if people go to our Shiva for Senate site, we've embedded that. In fact, we have a little book called Systems and Revolution, and we give people to this tool, which I created, where you can find out how your body is a system, et cetera. And in fact, people can't afford it. Send me an email, vashiva at vashiva.com, and we give you full scholarships. So the point is, first thing is people need to take a systems approach to understanding the body. The second thing people need to realize from the political side is that change, real change, systemic change has always come bottoms up. Whenever we outsource stuff to legislatures, this is by the way, the establishment works. They have a big issue. Oh, write to your congressman, right? Talk to him. Well, nothing has ever come out of that. It's a way of funneling your anger, funneling, funneling your real passion into a set of people who are bought and paid and sold, bought for, okay? Hillary Clinton, remember, she got money from Monsanto and she took money from Gates. These guys are all one little clique. So this is what I mean. People have to take down their veil of ignorance. It's gotta be bottoms up one by one. And that's frankly what we've unleashed, this movement for truth, freedom, and health. The videos I've put out there have gone global. I mean, I must get 10, 20,000 messages a day. And I'm saying the cool thing is we've unleashed a movement, which is to educate people on this interconnection. So people can get that. We have a huge opportunity in 2020 to win on a magnificent level. And our campaign and for US Senate is not really a US Senate campaign. It's become a global movement now because we're teaching people how these things are interconnected and that we must break from the not so obvious establishment. I know it's a long answer, 
to a question, but that's what people need to do. You know, peel away their layers of ignorance because, and, and when that happens, change is gonna occur like that. I'm telling you, it's when the lights go off, you say, wait a minute, these people are not for helping the earth. They have nothing to do with lowering pollution. They're Hollywood celebrities who hang out, whatever, party all day and talk about how they care. It's, it's, a, it's a thing for them. It's nothing's real. It's not about concerning the fact that factory workers, and if you look at the history of the, of the United States, most change has always come when we solved infrastructure problems. If you look at the 1900s to 1950, all the massive decline from, you know, 98% uh, decline in infectious diseases took place when people started getting nutrition and vitamin A, sanitation, clean water, long before vaccines. And today we have the same infrastructure issue. The United States got a D plus in infrastructure by the American Society of Civil Engineers. Massachusetts, where all the quote unquote liberals are, got an F minus minus in infrastructure. Think about that. It's hard to get a C. It's hard to get a D. You ha really have to work to get an F and an F minus minus. This is where MIT is, et cetera, which means the bridges are breaking down. Infrastructure is breaking down the water systems. That's it was rated top third worst infrastructure, but top D plus in corruption. And that's what we have today. We have incompetent, foolish lawyer lobbyists, Democrats and Republicans. Particularly, you got to watch out for those people who say they care for the earth. Okay, particularly those people, because particularly those people, because they're the not so obvious establishment, particularly those people claim that they're in Congress for 20, 30 years cleaning up the water when the waters are getting worse. It's a big sham. So that's what I want to entertain people. Wake up, find out who your real brothers are. They're people at the bottom, not from the top. So. Dr. Shiva, that's really, really great. And just because I love the way that you're flowing with the way that you're talking, I just want to keep feeding you some questions. And, you know, one of the things that you had talked about was growing up with a grandmother who um, you learned she could read what I, I remember you saying she could read people's faces and diagnose them. So this is kind of a combination question. My question I have and a question that somebody else got, gave. Um, the question was, um, knowing uh, about your grandmother. So we heard your grandmother's healing made a huge impact on your life. What, some, what are some of the most powerful teachings and how do you utilize the teachings to make a world a better place? So that's part of the question. And then my question is, is you had a grandmother and you had access at a very young age to learn a lot of the things that you're talking about. And in the world of fake news, myself as an individual, how do I learn? what you're learning. Like, how can I differentiate between, now you're speaking so powerfully, so you're super believable, but then somebody else goes and checks out something else and they're speaking so powerfully, so it's so believable. How do I as an individual discern what I want to find out is right and true? Um, because not all of us have grandmothers like you who can teach us the things that you have been taught. So how do we integrate that? The way that you integrated Western medicine and Eastern medicine, how do we find the answers for ourselves? Yeah, it's a great question. Look, I, I think you, you made a very interesting point. I, I think was in retrospect, profoundly fortunate. You see, uh, I grew up in two Indias as a child in those formative years until I was seven. One India was the city of Bombay, which is like New York on steroids. But then I had this uh, other opportunity to go to this deep South Indian village, which is like literally if you, the example I've talked to some of my friends is being in New York and then going to the depths of some place down in Mississippi, right? 
it's that difference, two worlds I grew up in. So I had this opportunity to literally grow up in these two worlds and had to think about how I inter integrated those contradictions. The other aspect is, you know, the, 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 that environment that I grew up in um, was an environment which was filled, it's the simplest way I can say, say it, was filled with tremendous amount of love and integrity and uh, this total uh, connection to truth. And if you believe in God, this, you know, the, 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 the concept that life is ephemeral, that ultimately there's something that lives beyond us. This was always there, always. You know, my grandmother would, go, would start channeling, you know, but she was a hardcore farmer. It wasn't the spiritual worlds and the physical worlds weren't separated. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to a yoga retreat now and I'm going to, you know, that sort of new age world, which in some ways is disconnected from the hardcore reality of working with your hands and having to put money on the table, you know, to survive and having to deal with the elements. These things were fully integrated. So we have a disintegration that's taken place. And part of, I think, the opportunity people have is that the videos I'm putting out there is not me. Do you know that when I do a video, I don't even know what I've said? And I haven't shared this with too many people. They come from a place that goes beyond me. They come from people who gave me something that I can't even describe in words until you've experienced that. So what I wanna share with you, when I put out content, when you see me getting upset and angry, that comes from a millennia of people who've suffered. So I could get to this point. And so what I'm telling you is we have a big fortune because in that content I'm putting out, you're connecting back to my grandmother. You're connecting back to my great grandfather who was an indentured servant, you know, who, who I saw in the fields, you know, ripped muscles at the age of 93 working. And then when he died, my great grandfather, he called everyone together and he said, I'm leaving now. And he went into what's called Padmasana and he left. But he told everyone, look, I have no debt. And he took care of everything and he went to sleep and that was it. So they had, a, they had a way of executing life which was profoundly pure. <laughs> That's all I can say. So I'm saying when you see the content I'm putting out of this talk, it's not me. You're getting with me a whole basis of people's suffering and lives and not only my grandparents but working people that grew up in new jersey and 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 those people were committed not only to the earth but committed to doing everything with excellence and they were working people that's the advantage we have today there are still people who work with their hands the plumbers the electricians the nurses and what i can tell you is the people who are connected to work and not cheating the lawyers lobbyists and the al gores and all these people cheat all day that's what the future of this world will rest on because though there's still more people of that than there are the people who can cheat. What we need to do is we move, need to move into the space where we value ourselves. And that valuing of ourselves is in spite of all the quote unquote brainwashing and opportunities and all the glimmers of stuff that comes that we stay into that truth, which is ultimately we're connected to the earth. Ultimately what matters is the nuts and bolts of reality. It's not moving a contract around or manipulating stuff, which is what these lawyers do. And I think if we can connect, in, you know, if you have family, if you have friends who frankly are, I love talking to working people, right? Because they have a common sense to them. You don't have to go to MIT to understand that common sense. Dr. Shiva, thank you so much. And order for time, um, we, we gotta get moving, but I really appreciate everything that you've had to say. Thank you so much. For sure, you're welcome. Time. 
today. And if anybody wants to keep checking out with him, you can check him on all of his social media channels, which we will share after the after this event. And we're just going to move on. But thank you so much, Dr. Be well. Thank you. Be the light. Thank you. Be well. So now we have Desiree Rumba representing the USA, and if you have a yoga mat, it would be great to grab that because we're going to be doing a little bit of yoga. Of, of yoga. Jen, so thank you I wasn't so able to get it, but I think they'll give us a video, right? Um, it gives us something to think about for I am? The, the day and the, oh, the, 